Shri Guru Vaishnav Guru Parampara ki jai, Shri Guru Purnim ki jai, Sanatam Goswami Prabhupati Rubhavamotsvatiti ki jai, Gaur Bhaktabhinda ki jai, Gaur Premanande. So we gathered on the eve of the, uh, the evening of the uh, Guru Purnima, and this uh, happens to correspond with the disappearance day from the world of Sanatana Goswami Prabhupada. So I'd like to speak a little bit about uh, Sanatana Goswami, his contribution to our uh, lineage. And um, in, in many respects, um, he is... I, like the uh, the founding guru of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, although his nephew, Sri Jiva Goswami, has uh, referred to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu as the founder of his own sampradaya in his Sarvasamvadini, a commentary on his own work, the um, Satsandarbha <clears throat> and obviously we can make that case that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is the founder of his own sampradaya even if we want to as we should connect it with the Madhva sampradaya it has um, he has brought new light and insight and so forth and it differs, differs from Madhva's uh, lineage in some substantial ways. Uh, he is Chaitanya Mahaprabhu Krishna, of course, in his Leela as the Acharya, as the as the te- one who teaches by example. Um, Krishna speaks about this in the Gita, the importance of teaching by example, and, um, and how, as it's said in common English parlance, that uh, that um, Example speaks louder than precept. Hmm? You follow? Hmm. Um, this is one of the yad yad acharati pramanam Krishna says it in the, perhaps the third chapter of the Gita. Hmm. This is one of the verses from the Gita, and there are only a few, that Krishna Skabiras Goswami has cited in his work, the final work, if you will, of uh, Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the Chaitanya Charitamrita. It's the final work in that it was the final work that uh, served as a kind of a culmination of the writings of the Goswamis, Rupsanatan Jiva Goswami in Sanskrit, uh, that was... Um, done by Krishnas Kaviraj Goswami in Bengali, taking the theology that they were empowered by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu to, to um, compose uh, from Sanskrit, which not everybody spoke and is a difficult language, into the common vernacular of Bengali and then bring that back to Bengal, to the 
the many people there who were affected by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu and were still reeling from his influence and trying to understand its significance. So it's the final book in that sense, and it's a book that unified many different uh, devotional understandings of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, found a place for them, gave, gave religious uh, scriptural support for them, and at the same time posited, based on scriptural support, the highest um, idea or way of looking at what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu came to uh, distribute and what he was all about and so forth. A very significant book. And in that book, um, as I say, he, he was written in Bengali, but then his, the points that he raises, philosophical or theological points, they're all supported by verses from, largely from the Bhagavat, from other Puranas, a few, a handful from the Gita, some from the works of the Goswamis themselves, which have, which were canonized and became uh, scripture for us, so to speak. Their interpretation or their understanding of the core texts is what forms the lineage. And because they can support their ideas from the core texts that are accepted by other lineages and so forth, then the lineage is thought to have credibility. So much to be said about um, being able to make points, insightful points, and support them from the, uh, the body of knowledge that, beco- that, that is the uh, kind of the, the baseline, if you will, of, of, of knowledge. Um, we're not to just make it up as we go along, so to speak. That's not what is theology, idle speculation and so forth, but to conjecture philosophically on the basis of the text and their implications, explain the meaning of them and so forth, their implications. This is uh, important. Uh, This is what theology constitutes. So, Krishnadas was doing that and so forth. Um, And um, in doing that, as I say, there there are a few verses from the Gita that he cited. Now, as Chaitanyaites or followers of Chaitanya, Chaitanya Vaishnavas, as we may be called, we will tend to look at the Chaitanya Charitamrita and find what Bhagavatam verses he cited, what verses of the Gita he cited, what verses uh, of other texts, and we think these are arguably for us the most important uh, verses. I had uh, an idea at one time to take all the Pramana verses, these such evidentiary verses from the core text that he has cited, and run a thread through them. Chaitanya Charitamritam, Saram, something like that. The essence of the Chaitanya Charitamritam might be a good book for the community. At any rate, this is one of the verses. Yadyada Chirti Shrestas, Sayat Pramanam, Guru Te from the third chapter of the Gita that Krishna has cited. And um, it's a, it, so it's an important verse. Um, and it basically says, Krishna says, well, whatever a, 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 a respectable person does, other people follow, and uh, whatever exemplary standards they set, then the world pursues something like, like this. Uh, so it's incumbent upon great people to speak, uh, no doubt, but to, to walk 
their talk, and that's what really makes them great. And when it's all said and done, they haven't just talked, but they've walked accordingly. Um, so, it's interesting. It's, it's an important verse. It's an important verse in relation to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, who, in a sense, uh, personified this very uh, principle. Hmm? Uh, he was an acharya, and achar means behavior, character. Hmm? So, who, 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 who taught hmm, by his uh, very character, and that much more so than by what he wrote, because we know he wrote very little. Eight verses, eight or nine verses have been, eight or nine or ten verses have been attributed to him only, whereas other acharjas, their literary contribution tended to be, be extensive. Commentary on the sutras at great length, and, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> Uh, and and he makes the point himself, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, that that, uh, that that example speaks louder than precept. And we find in in his various conquests, theological, philosophical conquests, that he very um, yeah, they were largely done by his by his character, with little words and little, if any, uh, writing. Hmm? So an emphasis on this is in, in the person of Chaitanya Krishna, who is in his leela as the acharya. Hmm? Um, so we have to take that um, very much to heart if we are to convince others, share with others, convert others, as we like, may like to think about it. Uh, it will best be done by the measure of our own conversion as demonstrated by our own action, our own behavior, our own character. <clears throat> so, uh, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is uh, arguably as the Acharya uh, and the founder of our Sampradaya. Hmm? Um, but we can make an argument, as I am this evening, uh, for Sanatana Goswami being the, the founder Acharya, <laughs> if you will, of, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. If we want to look then at the devotee Acharya who's following then immediately after Krishna in the role of the Acharya. I mean, Krishna is Krishna. He's in the role of Leela, the play of being a devotee of himself. <clears throat> Then Sanatana Goswami is is an actual devotee. He's not Bhagawan. <laughs> He's a devotee, and he was then the elder of Rupa Goswami. And um, these two brothers, Rupa Sanatan, uh, they um, were the two that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu invested the most time in, in terms of systematically teaching them what is now called Chaitanya Vaishnavism or Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And, and uh, empowering them, if you will, blessing them, commissioning them, ordering them to uh, make those teachings available, so with which they did, and they, by extension, I guess you could say Chaitanya Mahaprabhu wrote many things through them, although he did not personally. <clears throat> And uh, so, amongst uh, among them, the two, of the two, Sanatan uh, Prabhu was the elder, and we find 
that uh, in Gorlila, Rupa Goswami repeatedly is offering his respects to Sanatana Goswami as his elder, as his guru, as his his mentor. Mm-hmm. Their positions, it's worth noting, in Krishna Lila, reverse, and Rupa Goswami, as Rupa Manjari, the handmaiden of Radha, becomes the leader of the handmaidens, of which Sanatana Goswami is one. Mm-hmm. Another handmaiden. So, uh, but in Gaur Lila, he, he, uh, he is the, the elder, and therefore, arguably, the, the, the founder, Acharya, of uh, of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And he gave um, very kind of foundational, I want to say, teachings. The emphasis of Sanatana Goswami and his teachings is what we call Sambandha Gyan. Hmm? And he uh, was worshipping the deity of Madan Mohan, even in Ram Kali, which was later, uh, I think previously had been even worshipped by Dvaita Charja, and was later somehow transferred to Vrindavan, Mathura and Vrindavan, and again became under the care of Sanatana Goswami when he was in Vrindavan. Hmm? The deity of Madan Mohan is said to be the deity that presides over this Sambandha Gyan. Gyan means Gyan means knowledge, and Sambandha literally means like relationship or how things are related to one another. That kind of knowledge. So how the the Jiva Shakti is related to the Maya Shakti, something we've been discussing. How the Jiva Shakti is related to the Sarup Shakti. How the Maya Shakti is related to the Sarup Shakti. How these three Shaktis are related to Bhagwan and so forth. This is your very basic. Um, knowledge within the foundational knowledge of Sambandagyan, which, as I said, Manan Mohan, the, the, the name for Krishna, the bewilderer of um, Cupid, hmm, the transcendental Cupid, is the deity that presides over this foundation. It's said um, that after the... Uh, Some time in Krishna Lila, when only the one of the grandsons of Krishna was left in the Braj, what was his name? Brajana, something like yeah. Uh, and um, uh, then it, it was desired to um, to manifest a deity. Excuse me. No. A deity that best resembled how Krishna looked. That Manan Mohan first became manifest through the the uh, empowered sculptor, and then uh, it was that his it's, he's perfect up to the waist, mm-hmm. and then Govindaji was manifest. And it was said, oh, he's perfect from the waist up to the up to the neck, mm-hmm. and then uh, 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 Gopinath was manifest. He had his head into a smiling face, it was perfect, and so they were then uh, thought for this and other reasons to preside over the three subjects that are dealt with in the sacred texts. Uh, Sambandha, Abhideya, 
and prayojana. Sambandha again is the knowledge of relationships and we, we get our feet on the ground, so to speak, with this type of knowledge. Hmm? It's a, I'd like to call it a conceptual orientation. What is the Maya Shakti? What is the Jeep Shakti? What is the relationship? So on and so forth. Very important uh, conceptual orientation. And however, whatever is, a, whatever is our conceptual orientation, that will foster a certain type of action. Hmm? So the action, the movement, or the way, if you will, that arises out of the Gaudiya Sambandagyan is bhakti. So abhideya means the way, knowledge of the way. Hmm? And then by pursuing the way, there's the prayojan or the goal, the fruit. So the prayojan gyan is knowledge of the fruit, which is love of God, rasa, and, and reaches its zenith in the love of Radha for Krishna. Hmm. Um, that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu so much came to pursue. So Sambandha, Abhideya, and Prayojana. And um, Madhav Mohan presiding over Sambandha and Sanatana Goswami as the f- foundational founder Acharya of the Gaudiya Sampradaya wrote extensively on Sambandha Gyan. We find uh, that this is brought out beautifully in Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami's uh, three, three or four chapters in Chaitanya Charitamrita that we sometimes refer to as Sanatan Siksha, the Siksha that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave to Sanatan. It's not that Krishnadas was there, or he's, or that Sanatan was taking notes and passing them on, hmm? but what Krishnadas was what did was he he became a very good student of the writings of Sanatan Goswami. He could understand the particular emphasis and focus of the writings of Sanatana Goswami, who was empowered to write by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then when he wrote about the fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu met with Sanatana, schooled Sanatana in Benares and so forth, some notes that he got about that from uh, Swarup Damodar, from um, uh, Raghunathas Goswami, then uh, he filled in, so to speak, the details by way of making a conversation and having Chaitanya Mahaprabhu give the teachings that are found in the works of Sanatana Goswami. He taught him this, Sanatana Krishna, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, because he could understand what Chaitanya Mahaprabhu taught him all of this. This is, must be what they talked about at Benares. This is where he was schooled. And he had some historical facts that he gathered from others and, and some some description of what was what went on there, what was discussed and so forth. But we so we find there in Sanatana Siksha essentially what's found in Sanatana Goswami's books, the emphasis on uh Sambanda Gyan. Hmm? So in this way, I want to say, he is uh, kind of a the foundational or founder Acharya of of Gaudiya Vaishnavas and it's very appropriate and, and sweet for us that the Guru Purnim, this is the one that the full moon, Purnim is a full, means a full moon, the full moon that is celebrated throughout uh, uh, Hinduism and Vedanta within Hinduism, um, a, a day celebrated with, in which the Guru is honored, the, the, the noble Vyas who uh, organized the, the 
the Vedas and compiled texts and so on and so forth, um, which we have to follow in in the wake of and understand and support our positions on the basis of and, and so on and so forth. And Sanatana Goswami did this in a very powerful and comprehensive way, such that that the Chaitanya Sampradaya was, was formed. Of course, Rupa Goswami did as well, but he wrote about the way primarily. His book, Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, for example, is all about bhakti, the way, the path. What are the limbs of bhakti? What is bhakti rasa and so forth? And, uh, um, and, and we find Raghunathas Goswami writing about the prayojan. Hmm? This was his uh, focus. So, a foundational acharya, if we were to look, then we will look to Sanatana Goswami. Um, I believe he's been referred to by others as the Siddhanta, Siddhanta Charja, something like that. Sometimes Jiva Goswami is referred to in this way as the Tattva uh, Acharya. He wrote much about Tattva himself, so, but he was the younger and the nephew of Sanatana and Rupa Goswami, the disciple of Rupa Goswami. Uh, so, he would also defer his, his tikas, his commentary on Bhagavad, all follow in the wake of Sanatana Goswami's, They're very faithful to Sanatana Goswami, and so forth. So he is, in a sense, the founder, Acharya, of the Gaudi Sampradaya. I like to refer to him as kind of an architect of the Sampradaya. <clears throat> And um, previous to his um, uh, having such a role, hmm, um, he uh, his family hailed from South India, Saraswat Brahmin uh, lineage that had moved to Bengal. Hmm, before his birth and the birth of his younger brother Rupa Goswami. Um, and they were living in Bengal while uh, when Chaitanya Mahaprabhu started his manifest, his, his pastimes. And, and um, at a uh, certain point, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu developed a desire to go uh, to Vrindavan. It's, it's a desire that surfaced a couple of times. After he took sannyas, he wanted to go to Vrindavan, but he acquiesced to his mother's request that he stay in Puri, which was also a holy place, which was closer to Navadweep, so that she and the other people of Navadweep could get more news about him, because people were always going from Navadweep to Puri, whereas Vrindavan was all the way on the other side of India. Um, but once going to Puri and staying there for some time, again the desire to go to Vrindavan came in him, at least for a visit. Hmm? And so he made an effort to go to Vrindavan. It is on that first trip to Vrindavan that he met Rupa Sanatana Goswami. And I want to tell a little bit about that and, and some of the significance of that. But before I do, uh, um, let me say something about the life that Sanatana Goswami was leading there in Ramkeli. <clears throat> he and Rupa Goswami were very educated people and they were quite wealthy as well. They had palatial residences in Ramkeli, and um, they were ministers in the uh, Muslim government. Now, there are some stories about how the 
uh, or a story, I don't know if I can recall it in, in all its detail, but a uh, story of how the Muslim uh, ruler at the time came to uh, enlist Rup and Sanatan in his service. I believe he was uh, building something, some some shrine to glorify himself or, or something like that. And... Um, I don't know, some question came up and uh, his assistant, um, what was it, he couldn't, couldn't answer the question or, or, or something like that. So he said, let me go and you know, take a little time to answer. And then he, 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 I think, excuse me, I'm forgetting the details, but if he couldn't answer it, he would have had his head cut off or something like that. So you know, he left and uh, and by chance he he didn't want to come back because he didn't know the answer or something, and or how to advise the the the, the, uh, the ruler. And so, by chance, he met a, a younger man, Rupert Sanatan, and and he told him his dilemma. And they asked about the king and what he was like and so forth. And and without being there in a the situation, they gave an answer. Hmm? And so they had some ability. To, they were very deep and thoughtful is the idea anyway. So when he went back, then he gave the answer and, and somehow it came out that he got it from these, 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 these two. So the king said, I want them in my service. Who are they? So, so they were enlisted and they became like uh, cabinet members, if you will, to use a modern example, of the uh, Muslim ruler of the time, Nawab Hussein Saha, and uh, they were very well uh, situated there. As a result, as I say, they were fabulously wealthy. Um, they were humbled also by their engagement in the service of the uh, Muslim government, which was uh, opposed but tolerant, opposed to but tolerant of the uh, Hindu population. Hmm. Um, they were occupiers of India, which was Hindu, and, and there were some, of course, converts, and I guess they brought them some, some, some Muslims of their own and whatnot. But uh, the two were living, to one extent uh, or another, side by side. There was some tolerance of the, of the Hindus, and some exchange of culture and arts and, uh, and, and knowledge and, as, as, as well. <clears throat> Uh, and uh, Rup Sanatan would, as a result of their employment in the uh, Muslim government, they would be uh, they were were associated with many Muslim people that the Hindus would avoid. Hmm? But Rup Sanatan intimately associated with them, and they were humbled by their association and viewed themselves from the perspective of the Hindus. Not, I would say, accurately, but humbly. In other words, the Hindus would say, well, these people are contaminated. They associate freely with the Muslims. Hmm? Um, and they're kind of an example in this context, if you will, of someone who really hasn't done anything wrong hmm? because they were deeply devotees of Krishna. Indeed, in, in their own palatial residences, 
they had erected um, uh, Govardhan hills and Radhakuns and Shamkuns that were uh, reminiscent of Vrindavan, and they were reenacting the places, making their homes like places of meditation, like the Dham and so forth. Sanatana so Goswami, in particular, was was it was from from his childhood keenly interested in Srimad Bhagavatam. Hmm? To the extent that it would make the, the the pious Hindus who criticized him for his association with the Muslims look Ill- illiterate, hmm? so he's deeply, deeply a devotee and a scholarly uh, devotee, and he was a what we would call a saragrahi Vaishnav, an essential Vaishnav who could who could appreciate the theism of others to whatever extent was uh, manifest in their particular culture. Indeed, to give another example of the kind of people they were, Rupa Sanatan. When Rupa Goswami erected the Radha Govinda Temple, he was the architect, if you will, of the Radha Govinda Temple in Vrindavan. It's a huge, huge temple. And it has um, both Muslim and Hindu architectural influences. And in effect, it was a way of a way of saying, of being a harmonizer. And appreciating the, the the spirituality as it's manifested in, in another tradition from his own, in a way of saying, "I'm not a Hindu, I'm not a Muslim," hmm? as Mahaprabhu said, uh, "What is the verse?" I'm not this, I'm not that, I'm not a Brahmin, I'm not a Sudra, I'm not a Vaishya, I'm not a Sanyasa, I'm a servant of Krishna. Hmm? This is what I am. Hmm? Um, so, they were non-sectarian, is what I want to say. Hmm? They didn't particularly see the anti-party and make it make it anti-party till you drop. A kind of a um, approach to to spiritual life, but uh, but rather they were they were harmonizers. Pujapatridharmaj was himself a great harmonizer. Someone wants to talk about what it means to be a follower of Sridhar you should look for someone who can harmonize contradictory, um, apparent contradictions, and so forth, and and, uh, and and bring harmony within Vaishnavism rather than to polarize. Hmm? Inevitably, some polarization will be there, but in but in in in, in preaching, but um, in a larger and overarching sense. Uh, even such polarization will be in the pursuit of harmonizing because we we want to harmonize for something meaningful, not just for anything. We don't want just harmony for its own sake, but harmony for the right, for the truth. And so we do have to polarize the non-truth. But then in the context of truth, there may be a number of truths and different ways of, of, uh, of speaking about the truth and so forth. So, so they, were, they were harmonizers. This is our parampara. This is what it means to follow, to be a saragrahi Vaishnava. This is what it means to be really an acharya in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. And they were very much so. <clears throat> and so they, at the same time, uh, as insightful and realized as they were, they were naturally very humble. So when they were criticized by the Hindus, hmm, who had no real justification for him for criticizing him and didn't understand hmm, what they were doing 
in their association with the Muslims and so forth, uh, they, when they criticized them for being outcast, they humbly thought, I guess, yeah, we must be outcasts. Hmm? And they, 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 they took a humble position. And, and like I said to somebody the other day, that if someone criticizes us and they're completely wrong, we should take note of that, but we should try to think, maybe there's something in there that might be right that they've said. Hmm? Mm. And then as far as possible, unless we're in a position for, 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 for preaching and teaching, we try to just let it pass. Hmm? Don't get plugged into that. Anyway, they were very humble. Hmm? Uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself said to the pen of Krishna Goswami that they personified the humility that is so uh, central to progress in Gaudiya Vaishnavism. They, they embarrassed people by their humility. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself was ba- embarrassed by the humility of Rupa Goswami. Hmm? So they were living in this way. They were they were they were very extremely learned hmm? persons. They were wealthy. They were very highly positioned and powerful um, uh, as powerful ministers in the. Um, uh, ruling uh, government of, of the time, and they had heard about Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Hmm? They had heard about what he was doing, and they wanted to follow him. Hmm? They wrote a letter to Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he wrote back to them that. Uh, he's, he wrote back to them that uh, a, a wife who has a paramour, lover, an illicit lover, lover, will do her duties at home very nicely so that she won't become suspect. Hmm? This is what he wrote. So the, the, the meaning of it was, you're now in the government service. Hmm? You want to run off with me. Hmm? But you have to be very careful. The government is dangerous. These people cut off people's heads without thinking twice sometimes. And so, be careful. You act, conduct yourself very nicely in the government and the, time, the implications, the time will come where you can find an opening and run off and elope with me in the life of renunciation and bhakti. So that time came when Chaitanya Dev again, within him the desire to go to Vrindavan arose. This is significant. The desire to go to Vrindavan arose. So he left Puri with difficulty because the devotees did not want him to leave, but then they could not interfere with his, his, his will at the same time. So it's a beautiful back and forth between him and the devotees that goes on for a couple of seasons, actually, and finally he up and goes. And uh, he goes via Bengal. Hmm? And, and through Nadia and so forth, which is his first return to Nadia, which was an extraordinary event for the inhabitants, the home, hometown boy who had left and conquered all of Puri, Jagannath Puri, in the south of India and so forth. And as a, as a sannyasi, he was now returning, and uh, it's, it's beautifully written about by Krishna Kaviraj Goswami, very compelling. At any rate, at a certain point, he did, he, in the night, he decided, now I will go onward to Vrindavan. 
But he only got as far as uh, Ram Kaili. There he met Rup and that was as good as going to Vrindavan. So we shouldn't think his first visit to Vrindavan, attempt to go to Vrindavan, or his second, actually, was unsuccessful. First attempt was right after he took sannyasa, and Nityananda Prabhu got in his way hmm? and brought him back, and, and his mother said, please do it like this, and so on and so forth, as I mentioned. Uh, but the second attempt, he was successful. In other words, he met Rup Sanatana. You know the story I like to tell of how I was with Prabhupada. We took a bus ride, and on the, the bus had been converted into a temple. We rode on the bus from New York City to a, a farm that was owned by the devotees in Pennsylvania. It was named by Prabhupada Gita Nagari. So when we got to the farm, we toured the farm, and when we were standing in the barn, then a mouse ran, and a cat jumped, and a dog barked, and children went, oh, and the cows mooed, and the calves, everybody was startled and so forth. And then Prabhupada was over, he stopped, he said, just see, there was the mouse, and the cat, and the dog, and the children, and the cows, and the calves, and the adults, and everyone living harmoniously. This is Vrindavan. Like the mouse squeaked and the cat said something, but didn't chase after, and the dog didn't chase after the cat, and and so forth. And then the next morning, when we were getting on the bus, I was behind Prabhupada. He stopped on the stairs going up on the bus, and he turned to me and said, Did you see it? And I said, See what, Prabhupada? And he said, There was the mouse and the cat and the dog. and the, This is Vrindavan. And then we got on the bus, and we got on the bus. He turned around, he said, he turned around to me again. He said, Did you see it? And I said, I, I said, I'm seeing you, that is Vrindavan. Hmm? You, you are Vrindavan. You, the way you, the, that you could see that and make such a statement, you are the harmonizer, and so on and so forth. So, so I want to say that when he got to Ram Kaili, he didn't need to go any further, really. Hmm? What makes Vrindavan a holy place is the devotees who live there, hmm? in whose hearts Krishna is living. Always. We can't prove that Krishna appeared in India at a certain time, but we can, as I was alluding to the other night, we can pretty much prove that he's appearing in the hearts of his devotees <laughs> and, they're, and, they're, and transforming their lives. Hmm? So, he, there he met Nimi Rup Sanatan uh, Goswamis, and uh, there was uh, the local ruler there, I don't know if it was the same Nawab Hussain said, but the local ruler of the place, um, there was a lot of people following Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. I mean, he'd just gone to Bengal, and um, so so many people, you know, he was causing a huge revolution, really. And the Hindus were getting fired up, and this was Muslim territory and so forth. It's okay to have your religion, but let's not get excited about it, and let's not convert new people to it. The new people have to become Muslims. Some Hindus should become Muslims too, ultimately, is the idea. So it was a tense kind of a political um, situation. Um, but the uh, the king was advised by his own advisor, this Chaitanya is extraordinary. Hmm? And so the king said, yes, I believe he's God himself. Hmm? And so Rup stole off to meet with him and so forth. Um, but they, Sanatana Goswami advised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. He advised him. 
And his advice was very astute politically and it was very astute spiritually also. He advised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that um, the, the king is a little favorable to you, but he cannot be trusted. He could change his opinion. He's not a sense-controlled person. He could change his opinion and cause trouble. If you go to Vrindavan, you cannot go like this with so many people. You have to go alone. Then you will not be noticed. And then you can pass without obstruction. If you go like this, this is political advice. That'll be a problem. And, uh, of course, this is Leela. He's talking to God. But, uh, but God also, in this incarnation, in this avatar, is one who very much needs the advice of some of his devotees, who know what he wants more than himself. He wants to taste the love of Radha. Hmm? Sanatana Goswami Prabhu knows what is the love of Radha. He is steeped in the love of Radha as a handmaiden of Radha. Hmm? Rup, we find uh, he gets counsel from Ramananda Roy, from Surup Amadar. These were the closest um, sakis of uh, Radhika. And they are the closest sakis of Radhika and Krishna Lila, Lalita and Vishaka. They are very competent to advise him how to taste the ecstasy of Radha, how to pursue it, and so forth. So it's not... Um, a breach of etiquette, if you will, for Sanatana Goswami to advise Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And we also would like to take advice from our disciples. We spend a lot of time investing so much knowledge in them and so forth. They are our eyes, uh, extra eyes and arms and ears and so forth. So we may call them sometimes and say, what do you think? What have you seen? What is the situation? Who and so And so it's very sweet when the disciples can advise the guru. Hmm? Um, so anyway, he advised Chaitanya Mahaprabhu from a from political point of view and from a spiritual point of view. He also advised him that it's not good to go to Vrindavan with a big parade. Hmm? This is just go there humbly and celebrate the the position of Krishna, hmm? of Radha and Krishna. Not that we come in and trumpets will be blowing and come on an elephant and people are glorifying you. Hmm? Um, so Chaitanya Mahaprabhu took his advice. Um, I, there may be two historical events here I'm combining because he did the third time come and ultimately go to Vrindavan. It might have been on the third time that he actually went to, physically to Vrindavan and Sanatana gave this advice. But at any rate, Sanatana Goswami had such a uh, relationship with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but he kept himself very, very humble among the associates. These two groups, Sanatana, they are amongst the associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu that we give so much importance to because they lived their lives as sadhakas, as practitioners, and exemplified how to be a practitioner, both in a neophyte and in an advanced sense of the term. We don't find that in Ramananda Roy. Hmm? We cannot follow the way Ramananda Roy conducted himself, or Pundarik Vidyanidhi, and, and so many other associates of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, but Rupa Sanatan, they particularly exemplified how to be uh, practitioners. Hmm? So, at any rate, uh, uh, he met with Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and shortly thereafter, Rupa Goswami arranged to retire from the Muslim government, 
and go to join Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. And then he sent word, he sent a, a, a very a poetic message to his brother, elder brother Sanatana, and told him in coded words, come now, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is come, coming to Mathura, Vrindavan. You should come here as well. Find a way to get here. Um, so Sanatana was again an important person in, in the government, and he called in sick, and for quite some time. But what he was doing was sitting around with a bunch of pundits discussing the Bhagavatam. And so the king found out, and he was upset, and he was going out to war and conquer other territories, and he wanted Sanatana to take the actual lead role in the government while he was gone. And Sanatana had no appetite for the killing of the king. And his conquests and so forth, he more or less told him that. And so Sanatana was uh, imprisoned. But I think that Rupa Goswami had set aside some golden coins, and it was known to Sanatana where they were. And so, at a certain point, he negotiated with the jail keeper, who was a Sufi, and he said, you know, it, it's said that if one can liberate one from from prison, then he too can get liberated. And the material world is like a prison and so forth. So if you let me out, you know, he he talked to him like this. He quoted the Quran, hmm? and uh, on the basis of, of of a particular interpretation of of Muslim doctrine, which he was well versed in. Hmm? He was able to convince the simple-minded jailkeeper to let him out, but he was a little concerned that if I let you out, then what's what's going to happen to me now? I might get liberated, but I might die in the process. So, uh, so Sanatan uh, sweetened sweetened the deal a little bit by saying, "I have some gold coins, and I can tell you where to find them, and so forth." And he said, okay, good, but then still, what will I do if the king comes after me? He said, tell him this, that you took me out only to go and answer the call of nature, and that with my shackles I jumped into the Ganges and died. Hmm? And meanwhile, I will leave here undercover. Hmm? So he let him out, and he left with one assistant, Ishan Das, and he was dressed like a fakir, like a, like a Sufi. Hmm? And beard and long hair and so forth, and so he kind of disguised himself like a like a Muslim mystic, and then he began his travels, and he had to, couldn't go over the main roads. I mean, this was the person who was like like the vice president at the time, hmm? disguising himself like a Hare Krishna, and. Uh, <laughs> He didn't want any press to follow him, you know, no paparazzi or anything like this. Uh, so he took the difficult path, and along the way he spent one night at an innkeeper's place who was uh, who thought he was something special about this person, and took him in and so forth. Um, but the, it's, it's described by Krishna's Kaviraj Goswami that the innkeeper had an astrologer uh, analyzed the guest and said he actually has some gold coins because he kept a couple of gold coins or his his servant Ishan I should say kept a couple of gold coins just in case we might need a little little cash on the trip and so 
um, he had planned to kill him that night, and that's why he was being nice to him. So Sanatana Goswami thought, Ati Bhakti Lakshan Chor. Too much bhakti is a sign of a thief. Too much devotion, that's suspect. Why this guy likes me so much? Why you know, he doesn't know me, he's being so kind. He must have some ulterior motive. So then he questioned his, his assistant Ishan. He said, you know, I think he has some ulterior motive. Have you, have you got, what, what, have you done anything? I, so I brought some gold coins. He said, oh, there it is. He said, so Sanatham took the gold coins. He said, I have these gold coins, by the way. I want to give them to you. So the man said, well, that's amazing. You're a real sadhu. I was going to kill you tonight. <laughs> and you gave me the gold coins. Um, and I think then he gave one one back to Ishan or something like that. And so then Mahaprabhu uh, spent the night and onward he went. And then he uh, he asked Ishan, "Have you got any?" He said, "I kept one gold coin. You know, I gave him six. Oh, I guess he gave him the six gold coin. He had seven. Gave him six and kept one." So Sanatana said, "You have to go back then. Hmm? In my path, we go with nothing." We only depend upon Krishna. Hmm? And there he met a relative, um, an in-law, and the in-law uh, was surprised and inspired to see him, and gave him a gave him a a warm and valuable um, blanket, hmm? like a blanket that would cost about three gold coins, a Kashmiri, you know, shawl. Something like this. What do they call those things? Pashmina, something like that. And so this was his only possession, Sanatana Prabhu. And he went on his way to Vrindavan, he went through Banaras, and Sanatana and Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was there when he arrived. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu told his, his hosts, Tapan Mishra, Chandrasekhar, there's someone at the door, go and answer it. An important person has come. They went. They said, "There's only a Sufi here. Some Sufi." Mahaprabhu said, "Bring that Sufi in." And then Sanatana Prabhu came in, and Mahaprabhu came and embraced him. And um, and then he told him, "So go and go and bathe and get yourself cleaned up. Now you're with me. Look like a Vaishnava. Shave your head and your face, and so forth." So he went. He did that. He came back. And Mahaprabhu was very happy with him, but he Sanatana could detect some slight displeasure. And they thought, oh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was saying that I've kept this expensive blanket, but I'm a, but I'm a beggar. This isn't an uh, appropriate way for a beggar to uh, conduct himself. So he went back to the bathing god, and he asked some local guy to trade blankets with him. And the guy said, what are you, crazy? You're going to give me a Pashmiri shawl? Are you, what are you, mocking me or something like that? No, no, I really want your shawl. You take my... And then he came back with the torn cloth, and Mahaprabhu was very pleased with him. And then in that place, Mahaprabhu praised the renunciation of Sanatana and how uh, the power to renounce really is, is a result of bhakti. It's a byproduct of bhakti. It's an example of the one that's made some progress. Renunciation is not the way, but it's a it's a uh, example of having progressed. Hmm? And he was well situated in that. Hmm?
And uh, so it was there then that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu gave his Sikshya to Sanatana Goswami. But again, as I said, we find in Chaitanya Charitamrita from there, he... Um, Uh, went on to Vrindavan and uh, authored books and so forth. And later he again met uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu in Puri, came to Puri. And uh, there when he met Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, he was afraid that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu previously embraced me. He may embrace me again. But along the way, going through the jungle, he had, had perhaps drank some bad water or something and he had some uh, infirmity that caused open sores to manifest on his body and he, and he thought that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu might embrace me out of his affection and then that would be offensive. Hmm? So he had a thought to throw himself under the Rathiatra cart. This was the time of the Rathiatra festival which was a kind of Vaishnav suicide. Hmm? So the omniscience of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was brought into into uh, the Leela and he said, you you cannot take your that body. I have many things that belongs to me. I have many things I plan to do with that. Hmm? And then he embraced him, and all the sores went away. Hmm? And he gave some beautiful teachings to him at that time about the nature of initiation and the nature of the sadhaka deha, the practitioner's body, how it takes on an, an, a, a, a spiritual spiritual characteristics what Prabhupada would call a gold-plated box as compared to a gold box, something like that, for all intents and purposes. It becomes spiritual because it ceases at a certain point to function under the influence of the Maya Shakti, but rather, daivim prakritim ashrita mahatmanas as Krishna says in the Gita, functions under the influence of the Sarup Shakti. Hmm? So, In this way, Sanatana Goswami was much blessed by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, empowered by him. He and Rupa Goswami, Jiva Goswami, these are together, and I've singled out Sanatana Goswami for the good reasons I've mentioned, the foundational acharyas of Gaudiya Vaishnavism. Their books are our shastras, and therefore their opinions hold greater weight than any later acharya, in a sense, who, all of whom will seek to reference their opinions, support their opinions, with precedence from the uh, Purva charges, the previous charges in particular. Uh, we call them our Shastra Gurus. They wrote the Gaudiya Shastras. That doesn't mean there aren't more books to be written, but th- those books and those commentaries will all refer to those commentaries. We can refer to those commentaries like we could refer to the Gita, like we refer to the Bhagavad When we say, Rupa Goswami said this, then it, that's it. That's it. <laughs> Sanatana Goswami said this. It's like saying Krishna said this in Bhagavad Gita. Hmm? So these, their works have taken on a canonical type of a status in Gaudiya Vaishnavism because their, their, their insights about books, as I said earlier, that are core books for other lineages, that those insights form what is our lineage, what is Gaudiya Vaishnavism, the Gaudiya take on the Gita, on the Bhagavatam, and so forth. So their word is as good as as gold. They're universally accepted by everyone. Therefore, we need to reference our um, insights, support them from them and the core text themselves. That doesn't mean there won't be new insights, 
new growth and so forth, but that's theology. And that theology, what it, what it does, as I said earlier, it, it, it successfully argues the point of, 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 of the texts or of these acharyas, for example, uh, as to its implications, its uh, further ramifications, and so forth, without contradicting it. Hmm? You can't contradict it and call it new light. Hmm? Rather call it something else, <laughs> maybe a preaching strategy or something like that. So, in this way, we say a few words about the uh, glorious Sanatana Goswami, who was uh, this is the day of his disappearance. It's uh, said about him in uh, that he was always kept his head shaved. After all, he. I told the story, he came with long hair and a beard. Chaitanya Mahaprabhu said, you should wear the Vaishnava dress and shave your head. See how he took the words of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu seriously. He always kept the shaved head. So he used, they used to call him in Vrindavan, Munda Baba. Munda Baba means shaved-headed Baba. Hmm? And, um, and uh, this was a very affectionate term. Uh, that uh, by which the people referred to him, and both he and Rupa Goswami in their elderly uh, years, they were like fathers and grandfathers and great spiritual luminaries and teachers at the same time of everybody in the whole of the Braj, the whole Braj Mandal, the whole circle of of Vrindavan. Hmm? If Sanatana Goswami would come into a particular area, then children would come out and hold and grab him by the hand. Hmm? Women and children and, and elders and all, and and uh, and he would play with the children. And, you know, he, he was very accessible. Uh, if people had a local argument, they would bring to Sanatana Goswami, and he would give opinion about such relative issues. Hmm? As, as well as weighing in deeply, as they say, as we know, on the Siddhanta and so forth. So he was very uh, high and very down-to-earth at the same time. And the whole of the Braj just teemed with affection for Sanatana Goswami. So much so that it's said that on the day of his disappearance, the day that we're celebrating, Everybody, every man, woman, and child in Vrindavan shaved their head hmm? to say, we follow Munda Baba, we are the followers of Sanatana Prabhu. Sanatana Goswami Prabhu ki jai. Shri Guri Vaishnava Guru Parampara ki jai. Gaur Bhakti Vrinda ki jai. Gaur Premanandi.